Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, wherever you are in the world. It is time for another edition of Spin the Rally Pod. And it's a, it's going to be, is it going to be a quiet one, George? I have to say there's only the two of us this time. Only the two of us. Well, let's get straight into business, David. Let's just talk 100% WRC rally. No road rallies for George. No tennis analogies from Lisa, <laughs> uh, which, no. which infuriate the crap out of me, Lisa. There you go. But I do understand <laughs> that they make sense. I have um, to say, we, 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 we had a, a, a lovely message from one of our listeners called Matty. Uh, just asking that we do get a little bit more into the rallying a little bit quicker. Matty, I'm very sorry, and it's entirely my fault. I do get terribly distracted. Uh, So, yes, we will make a a, a much better effort to focus more on the rallying. Why is it just the the two of us? We've given Lisa the morning off. She is incredibly hardworking. Uh, And not to say that we're not all hardworking. Luke, uh, our lovely deputy editor, is busy, hopefully, Still out partying uh, in Edinburgh with his uh, his girlfriend Darcy, who finished at uh, university yesterday. So they've they've been out celebrating, uh, and he's in no fit state to join the pod. And Colin, our voice of rally, is of course still in Australia uh, for Target Tasmania. Um, so yeah, so just the two of us, George. Matty, apologies if that was a little bit too much. Uh, that was just a bit of detail, a bit of context about why it's just the two of us. Jumping straight in, George. I mentioned to you before we came on air that there was a couple of things I wanted to talk about. I didn't actually get around to telling you what they are. Uh, the first one is, um, we've run quite a long story this uh, this this week on the Rally 3 car and what it managed to achieve in Croatia. We'll talk a little bit about Croatia before we look forward to Portugal. Um, Please, yes. But the Rally 3 car, so <clears throat> as you're well aware, it's the, it's the four-wheel drive, 235 horsepower, uh, junior car. And I want uh, to drive one, David. I mean, then, why am I not getting to drive one? Do then, we need to speak to Malcolm? Will he let me drive one? We do. Just for a then test. Let, absolutely. I genuinely think we should do that because it is. You know, I've written another piece a while ago. I wrote, you know, is this actually rallying's most relevant car? It's the well, I, when I saw it in Kenya <clears throat> last year, I was yeah. just blown away by it. I was absolutely blown away by how brilliant it was. Totally. And, you know, and out yeah. around the world, we've got Lucy Block using one in, in America. And then, of course, the junior cars were all out in Croatia. And this is the astonishing thing. So on the stage 11, where we had all of the rain, the fog, the mist and the misery, um, we had Sami Payari eighth overall. In stage times, okay, the fog had lifted probably, it had improved a bit, but the road would have got far worse. You know, there'd probably been 30 or 40 cars go through those corners and pull complete mud onto the road. He has less power, but he had a softer compound. The juniors have a generally a softer compound tyre, because obviously there's not as much power going through yeah. those tyres. But how, George, you're the master of, of the underdog, 
uh, and the Giant Killer. How did he do that? How do these cars manage that sort of performance? Well, they're 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 obviously just utterly utterly fabulous to drive, and that was that was. I mean, I I was standing looking at it before Safari Rally last year, and I and and I'm talking to a couple of the the mechanics, the the Ford team. Um, and and they were they were enthusing about it and, mm. uh, and and I mean they just they had me wanting to buy one I mean if I had any money at all, yeah. uh, you know th- that would be the rally car of choice. Look, a a, a four wheel drive car, nice and small, nice and light, uh, a great little chassis, good suspension, all that traction from four wheel drive, uh, and and enough power uh, that that a relative relatively inexperienced driver can wring its neck. Now, wringing a car's neck is so, so important. Getting the max out of it, squeezing every last little power out of that. And there's Sammy Pajari managing that so brilliantly on that stage, just leverage that there is a, a, there is a place where you can go with those little cars. Quite often yeah. it's on snowy, icy events where you can just leverage it out. It's easy to drive. Uh, to, to ring the maximum out of it is just as hard as a world rally car ultimately, but it's a broader limit to get there. It's easier to get to because the speed's not just so high. It's not got that last edge of power. You know, hammering your foot down on the power coming through a muddy corner is going to make the car go sideways. But in a world rally car, you'll be straight off the road because it's so slippery. With these cars, it won't quite be just the, the margins won't quite be as close. So you've got broader margins with those smaller engine cars to, 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 to live on the edge. But the point being, David, Sammy, he wrung that out of that car on that stage. When he steps up to the next level, if he can wring the same out of a of, of a of a an R five car. car. Yeah. Yeah, a rally yep. two car, you know, he's gonna instantly be fast. He's gonna <laughs> instantly be fast. And, and this... then you know, he, he will he a, a year or, or so in that, wringing that's neck. Yeah. He'll jump into a world rally car and he won't be intimidated because the guy has been absolutely living on the very limit. Yeah. And the limit of any car, although they're different in terms of you know the, the dynamics of what they do, the principle is the same. That's what you're used to doing, extracting every last little bit of energy out of the car uh, from, from, the, from the chassis, from the engine, from the transmission, from the tyres. Uh, and, and you translate that up and up and, and it's seamless for some of these guys when and, they can do that. And the, the um, speed just rises incrementally, doesn't it, with every step absolutely. you take. Uh, yeah. and, and it all makes sense. And, you know, without making Colin McRae constantly the point of reference for everything I ever say, but you look back at, at his career and, and, you know, Jimmy did exactly the right thing, didn't he? He started him that first event in the Avenger, then he had the Sunbeam for a season, yep. and then he was into the Nova with a 1300 engine, then they put, a, I think, a 1600 engine in it. Yeah, it was Colin, just ring... Ring its neck every time, yeah. and Colin, until, Colin until you're made on that lim- step seamlessly, basically. Totally, until you're on the limit yeah. in this car, you're not going to that yeah. car. But then there was, yeah. at some point, we will get round to to these stories in in more depth. But there was a tremendous story of um, it must have been '87. So Jimmy had driven the Pro Drive Six R Four in '86, um, and Colin obviously had looked on uh, wistfully at what his dad was doing. Colin was competing by then. And then there was a, there was another Scottish Championship driver, might have been Donald Milne or somebody like that, had got a six R four for the eighty seven season because of course you could still use those in national yep. rallying. Um, and Jimmy was doing some setup work, just doing a bit of testing with Donald uh, somewhere in Scotland, 
and Colin was there, and naturally he was always there uh, whenever there was some cars around. And uh, Jimmy, uh, Colin said to Donald, "Can I have a go?" And Donald looked at Jimmy, and Jimmy said, "Well, it's your car." And Colin got in, and apparently was outrageously quick. First time ever driving a six R four. Age probably what would he have been? 18 19 20 something like yeah. that not old yeah and i mean that yeah. just is a demonstration of that boy's talent isn't it yeah i mean the six r4s leave me cold i have to yeah. be honest and just horrible uh, things to drive the, the, they, they weren't nice i mean and, and every every when you saw them being driven really properly they were brilliant but generally yeah. speaking nobody could wring their neck because they were difficult to drive i think the power mm. steering was driven off the differential so that when you came to slow corners you had less power steering on some yeah. of the earlier ones at least they and just course, pushed no their way around the corner there was, there was... yeah it, it was it was just it was a pretty awful concept in in many ways which is why it never really won very much it, at the top level i mean it was, a, it, it was a reasonable car in some ways but it was just missing a few elements and yeah. for Colin to jump in and just wring its neck is remarkable. Um, uh, I mean, I think he had actually driven them on the road. I remember there being an issue with uh, with some cars. Was it on Acropolis Rally? Did Jimmy do Acropolis yeah. Rally in a 6R4? I don't think he did, Colin had Llewellyn did, Colin, they had their Colin, engine problem, didn't they? Yeah. Uh, Colin, Colin apparently drove, you know, a, a, a three or 400 kilometres off one evening with the car just out on the road. So he at least, you know, sat in the car and understood what it did a little bit so that when he was jumping into it, at least he would yeah. he would, uh, he would, he would have a bit of a concept of it. Um, nah. But um, nah, but he, I think he'd be totally won't... alien, but remarkable, yeah. I mean, that's that, but Sami Pajari, you know, Croatia, hmm. wet, slippery tarmac, unbelievably small margins. Uh, yeah. His, you know, I don't want to take anything away from him because that's a remarkable drive. And, you know, thank goodness there's someone coming along to... to, to, to to challenge, um, to to challenge Mr. Rovenpera, uh, that that's yeah. important. No, there is. Uh, <laughs> it, I mean, it's it, it it's is absolutely. It's very yeah. very fair to say that uh, the, the the juniors this year is is looking sensationally hot. You know, there's so many drivers absolutely. coming through there with yeah. with um with the likes of John Armstrong and and oh. Robert Vervez yeah. and people like that. It's oh. it's going to be a great year. Um, moving on. Uh, one yes. more thing I want to talk about. We've seen this week, uh, I don't know if we mentioned this before, but Calais Rompera is making his Irish motorsport debut uh, at Mondello Park on, I think it's first weekend in May, so next weekend. Uh, or, yeah, when this comes out, it'll be this weekend. Um, and he's, yep. but he, he's coming drifting uh, in his Toyota Supra, a car that's run by his own team. Um, oh. And, and t- just talking to him, we were talking about how how it kind of works, how it impacts on what he's doing in a rally car, and and he said it's all about just driving the car right on the edge um, of the grip level. George, what do you know about? Do you know anything about drifting? Can you? Remember? We did talk a, a about this, bit. didn't we? Because we talked yeah, about we you coming so, so, through the the dr- final corner in Knock Hill. Yeah, yeah. Drifting is a, a, a it's, it's a demonstration sport. Um, yeah. A bit like ice skating in in a way, I guess, because you score points for style, and the, and the style is based on the, the the degree of angle of the car around every corner. Uh, so I guess it's I'm, I'm not I'm not sure if it's a, it must be about speed, but it's also about the angle. So it's an yeah. extra element. So you imagine that you're scoring, you're you're doing a special stage. And yes, there's the time, but if you've not been sideways through the corner, you lose points. 
Yeah. Uh, or, or if you are sideways through the point, the, the corner, you gain points. Uh, uh, so, you know, you, you were fastest through that stage, but you were dead straight. So actually, you're only fourth quickest. Yeah. And that's kind of a, a very quick precy of my understanding <laughs> of, of drifting. And, and, and Look, an incredible sport, great fun. Uh, just I mean, like it's it's I mean it it's a sport that's just been born out of love and fun, mm. and everyone that does it just has fun. I mean, there's nothing more fun than just sticking a car sideways and and drifting through a corner. But um, that's what that's in what rally I terms you, you minimise it because you're trying to go as fast as you can. But um, but but the sport of the sport of drifting has has taken the speed element and put it second place to the sideways element. Yeah, I mean. Uh, God knows how many tires. I mean, d- 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 I mean, I suppose the number of laps they do is purely limited by the amount of tire tire yeah. wear they've got. Yeah, totally. I I do remember now. We did talk quite expansively about this in in yeah. in a previous pod. So uh, just to just to move on a little bit, um, the incredible thing though, just Kelly was I was saying about this whole turning in thing. Do you turn it? He's turning in at like 110, 120 miles an hour. I yeah. said, how do you do that? Is it is it weight transfer? Is it is it on handbrake? And he said, "Oh, and it's really really quick. It's usually on the handbrake." So I mean, it is just nuts to think of of traveling towards sort of two hundred kilometers an hour, and then just getting on the handbrake to turn in. And then yeah. the even more entertaining bit, he said, "You know, that's really cool, but actually, the really really cool bit is when you've got somebody right alongside you, and they're just you can they're a meter away, or sometimes you actually yeah. just nudge them at this kind of mm. speed. I mean, it is." It's not something that I've I've really ever watched, and then since Calais has been involved, I've watched them, and it is it's quite um, balletic, isn't it? It's, it's oh incredible. yeah, it's an absolute um, absolute ballet. I mean, it's just as, as I say, it's just born out of absolute love of putting a car sideways, and yeah, and, uh, and and it, it's fantastic to watch. I mean, rally cars going sideways are what what pulls everyone in the ridiculous speed. Yeah. I remember the first rally car I saw. I was on a twisty section. Uh, downhill at a place called Plachettes in Kielder Forest, and it was probably two o'clock in the morning. And uh, it was the first rally I'd been to, mm. a WRC event. It was REC Rally 1976. And right. I was, I'd was i looked at the road map, but the two friends I was with, they'd been to several rallies before, and we'd driven down there overnight. Um, felt like a long way for us to go out of Edinburgh down to Kielder. It was only a couple of hours' drive. Uh, we, Clarky's we, year I'd, as well. I'd, I'd, yeah, Clarkie's year. I'd borrowed, I'd borrowed my mum's car, um, which was in the habit of stopping when it rained. Um, <laughs> and was it, it did it, rain and it did. I stop was going to say then, was it Italian? But that would have been terrible. No, no, it wasn't. It was a Vauxhall <laughs> Viva with with a with a bad distributor cap, basically, which I discovered uh, shortly after that. But um, I'd looked at the I'd looked at the the road. We're on a twisty downhill section, series of cor- corners downhill. You could see the cars for probably a couple of hundred yards. It was pitch black, but. Uh, and it was a windy, wet night. But once you were in the trees, the wind was gone and the rain didn't seem so bad. And there was thousands of people out there. And we, we selected our spot uh, after walking about, you know, maybe a mile in or something like that, half mm-hmm. a mile. I'm not sure how far it was. And then the car's lights appeared over the hills uh, and, and and then they went quiet again. Because, you know, in Kielder, they, they, they go along and back over the over yeah. the ridge many times. And uh, the excitement rose and then fell and rose and <laughs> fell as we thought a car was coming. And and I am I, I could see these corners. The car would come down there and it would be a bit sideways around each of the corners. And I was really looking forward to it. Mm. And then uh, then this explosion of lights over the crest up at the top of the hill appeared. Um, uh, I would say blinding, but even more mesmerising was the four glowing bright orange discs, the brake discs. This was Stig Blomqvist in the Saab. 
yeah. Saab 99 EMS before the turbo. And it was just, he just came down that road at maybe three or four times the speed I thought possible. Yeah. And I was absolutely gobsmacked. I mean, you know, as much as you can see at night, the car was never straight. It was completely sideways. So yeah. that was my first introduction to cars going sideways properly at full bore. And and what what drifting is, it just condenses that feeling. I can imagine someone going to a drift meeting as their introduction to motorsport, and they would just be as gobsmacked as I was in 1976 when I saw Stig Blomqvist coming he, down that road. At, you know, I mean, he must have come down that hill at 70, 80 miles an hour, and I was thinking it would be 30 or 40 and the car would be a bit sideways and quite spectacular. No, no, it was just life-changing moment for me. And I can imagine people going to drift meetings feeling the same, you know, some just saying, I've got to do that. I'm going yeah. to do that. I'm going to drift it. And then, you know, stepping into it somehow and starting to learn. It's not easy to learn to drift. How do you learn to drift? No, absolutely. It is. But I think, you know, the one thing that we, the benefit that we have, Drifting is in an arena, it's you know, Mondello Park, it's in a circuit. Yeah. Whereas our you know, our form of sideways in terms of rallying is is just almost in its natural environment, isn't it? And that's the thing, you know, we don't go and stand in a circuit, we go and stand between the trees. And it is yeah. it's that sense of anticipation and they only come by once. Um and it's incredible yeah. to hear, you know, you know, your memories. They are, like you say, it is life changing. It's it's habit forming, isn't it? You know, it's where we Absolutely. learn to love our yeah, sport. It's it's great. I'm uh, talking my, sorry, mate. My life was my life was without purpose until I saw Stig Blomfist. <laughs> it genuinely was. I was just wandering around after school, not quite sure what I was gonna do. Uh, yeah. I, I'd I'd uh, I'd just applied for a uh, an engineering apprenticeship with the Scottish Water Board. Uh, and I was hopeful to get that. But wow. I, I ducked out of it. I ducked out of it before because I had to go and be a mechanic to build a rally car. How stupid was I? Uh, because that was the that was absolutely the wrong thing to do. I should have I should have done my my. Uh, I think it was a six year apprenticeship. But you you ended up with an engineering degree. Was that was the target? And my 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 math was good enough to have managed that. Probably. Yeah, but equally, George, look at the journey that you're on. You know, you've been sporting. Oh, I've got no complaints. I mean, I've got no me. complaints. No, none I'm... none whatsoever. Uh, I still love my sport massively. Um, I, yeah. I, I don't find myself going to the local events as much as I did because I don't like going to events now and not being involved. You know, if yeah. someone said to me, come along and service for us on a rally, you know, a Scottish Championship rally, I, I would probably go, you know. Oh, there you go, um, people. Send your, uh, send your requests in. Yeah, uh, but George just, to, just to go along and spectate on a Scottish Championship event off my own bat. Yeah, it's difficult. Uh, but again, it? if somebody asked me, I would probably go. But I mean, it was it was the space stages last weekend, and I didn't go. I didn't go, and I wanted to go, but I, I went canoeing up on the top of Glencoe instead. Sorry, oh. Matty, I'm talking about canoeing there for for a brief second. <laughs> and that it, doesn't make me a philistine. It just make, means because I like to be involved. I was doing the canoeing. If I could have been at the space side in a car, co-driving, driving, yes, I would have been there. Yeah. Um, uh, but um, going to these events <laughs> and not being involved, having been involved in the core of these things. It's difficult. It's, it is. Well, it's it? a bit like eating the chocolate with the wrapping on, you know. Yes. It's, uh, I'm not doing it. <laughs> it takes no, the joy out of it. Uh, you mentioned earlier that you would like, to, obviously, we would all like to buy a Ford Fiesta Rally 3 from M Sport. Oh, from God, yes, please. Ab it's ab just brilliant. Absolutely. But I have to say, I I was very, very fortunate this week uh, in that I did a job down at uh, Rally Replay in Chichester. Uh, it's... Um, Basically, it's run by Adam Mitchell. Uh, it's, a, it's a place where they buy and they sell 
Group A rally cars, Group B rally cars, all sorts of stuff. Ooh, and they wow. have this phenomenal showroom, uh, which is is kind of right in the heart of Chichester, which is obviously famous for Goodwood. Um, long way down there, south coast of, of England. But it was, honestly, I walked in, and at some point, George, we will go together. You walk in through the front door, and everything just stops. You know, you forget everything. Wow. It, we were surrounded by uh, a, a proper Group A, two Deltonas, uh, uh, a Volta, I think it was a Volta Roll 131 Abarth. Uh, oh my a, goodness, a, my favourite car, my favourite car of all a, time. A, yeah. a, a Martini Fiat service barge in the back and oh. rally, plate, rally plates going back from all, back many, many years. Some of, even some of Martin Holmes, so Adam and, and the team at Rally Replay bought some of Martin Holmes, uh, uh, late departed rally journalist one of the most famous journalists in the world they bought some of his cameras so he got martin's first camera there and just a whole load of memorabilia just incredible i could literally have spent all day and on this huge wall um they just have videos playing so they've got sort of the a, a review of the 1995 championship and honestly uh. it was an absolute mecca um for us and they obviously they rebuild cars they they work on cars for for, for customers so um, like our friend VHS VHS rallies that puts out all these incredible videos yes. that, that he gets out on on YouTube yeah. uh, this this is the this is the the real world tangible version of the same hopefully exactly. showing his videos on the wall as well exactly so we went to the to the to the workshop area as well and there was there was a whole bunch of beautiful cars in there this is obviously not the public side of the company uh and there was a Lancia Delta HF Integrale the Deltona road car it was an Evo 2, and they're about to start doing some work to it. It was in navy blue with a martini stripe down the side, and it was the most beautiful thing I've ever seen. And Adam reckons it will go for around 70000 And Wow. I, would you buy one of those? So then that's the Delta Integrale, basically. Yes, yeah, the last one that they yeah. made, the one with the the, yeah. the the spoiler on the on the on the roof, the lip uh, spoiler on it. Yeah, yeah. We, exactly. we had we had one of those at Toyota, which I drove quite frequently, uh, just um, to find out what it was like. And well, yeah, I, I guess I, I think it, we, we took it down to rallies just to intimidate uh, Lancia, which was a <laughs> foolish thing to think you could do. But you know, when you went round a tight series of hairpins with that car, yeah. The, the, with the doors closed, obviously, uh, when you went around a tight hairpin, like accelerating up a hill, the, the, the door gaps opened like to, to about 50, 60 millimetres wide. The top of the door popped out. I mean, okay, I was leaning, leaning on the car. I was pushing it, you know, second gear up an, an open hairpin left and down in, uh, 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 I, would been, I would have been up towards um, Nürburgring because I had some friends that lived down there. So I would go down there of an evening. Um, which was great because you drove down the motorway and you could go flat out. There was a, a the motorway oh. uh, up up to the Eiffel uh, from Cologne. Uh, I don't know if it still is, but it used to be no speed limits. It's only about fifty kilometer bit of motorway, but it would take you about fifteen minutes because you just <laughs> went up there. You went, no matter what you had, you went flat out. I remember coming down that bit of road with Petter in my Subaru Legacy. We went to Cologne for a day and had a look around Toyota when we were both at Subaru. I took him down there. We had a day to kill between a press event after the rally. And we came down there and I, uh, we were doing 240 kilometres an hour with my Legacy, on the speedo at least. Good Lord. Wow. It was fantastic. Anyway, so, that, that Delta, that Delta, the doors opened right up and water pissed in. It was raining that night and the water <laughs> just pissed in. Like, what a piece of shit car. Never ah, buy one of these. Right, okay. Yeah. But it was the... lo lovely to look at and, and fast like heck to drive. But 
I'll keep my non-existent seventy thousand in the uh, in the non-existent keep, keep it, bank account. Unless unless you unless you can wear a raincoat or you're in a country where it doesn't rain, or just buy it and just look at it. Um, well, there's that. Don't go around. Don't go around uphill hairpins with with <laughs> with high power settings. Certainly not in the rain, which, which uh, is the fun of it, actually. Yeah, well, exactly, exactly. Now we must move on because what we are talking about a little bit more. This is our the beginnings of our, our lead into uh, into Portugal. Obviously, Rally Portugal is our next event, round four of the World Rally Championship, which runs from uh, May the thingy to May the other thingy. Let me just grab the calendar. And I will tell you that Rally Portugal runs from the 19th to the 22nd of May. Uh, very excited. About that, 21 years ago, though, George, quite an impactful event. Uh, and arguably Ooh. the event that lost Portugal its position on the WRC calendar, which is really strange given... It was very unfair. It hugely was very, unfair. Very unfair. It, it, yeah. But quite ironic, given the, the troubles that you know this event had been through in, in 1986 when Joachim Santos had, had crashed uh, and yeah. killed an, a number of spectators. But it still ran the following year uh, in 87. Um, and then actually, in 2001, it rained heavily. Uh, and it, I mean, it didn't just rain. It rained really, 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 really heavily. And it rained for weeks beforehand. There was a bridge washed out just the week before the rally, and it, it took a school bus away. Yeah. It was a yeah. national tragedy. I mean, it, it, was, it was a tragedy, but I mean, the, the country was in mourning. It was awful. And we've talked about awful. We've talked about wet events. You know, I mean, it rained mm. a, a fair bit in, uh, in Croatia at the weekend, but that was like something else, wasn't it? That was just unbelievable conditions. It was. The, the 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 conditions it was like driving through a uh, 600 millimeter deep wet cement concrete Oof. in some stages it was as bad as that and of course the world rally cars and in fact tommy's car was a group a car still mm. uh, he he won the event um led almost from the start well he led from the start but then lost the lead in in stage 2 um, and i think it took him two or three stages before he was back in the lead but the stage times were all over the place because um, basically the ruts got deeper and deeper. And if, if ever there was, there was no gravel clearing on that, what there was, there was road clearing. So, so Tommy went off first car and basically cleared the road. He removed the road. So car number two had no road <laughs> left. And he was on his, Tommy was almost on his sump guard or on his sump guard. The second car was, his sump guard was basically clearing the road more and digging, you know, the last little bit of the rut out. By the time you got to car three, it was all over. It was finished, you know, um, but it, and, and it was it was the grittiest of drives. It really was. It, and it was. I mean, it was a it was quite a big fight, though, wasn't it? Um, all the way to the finish. Um, with it was. Tommy and Carlos never separated by more than a handful of seconds. Given that the stage times, I mean, there was times when Tommy would lose. 15, 20 seconds to Carlos in a stage, and then the next stage, 12 would come back. The following stage, six would come back to Tommy. It, it, it flowed around that much because the stages were just, you know, it wasn't, it wasn't edge of the seat, edge of the, 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 the seat, you know, uh, driving. It was, it was just, it was, it was, it was surviving. Literally, it, it, was, it was almost like tractor pulling some bits of it. You were just going through yeah. the mud and trying to keep the car. There were times when the cars were just physically stopping on the, on, on the middle of the road and had to reverse and try and get up on the ruts to keep moving. Oh. And, and just tell us, George, what, uh, so what would your job have been at that time and how would the weather have impacted on it? Well, 
it, I mean, just to nip back to the start of the event, that was my first year, well, my only year with, with Mitsubishi. Um, uh, at the start, uh, I remember being in Portugal and going to some lovely press events with Mitsubishi, you always did, um, yeah. and drink, drinking some very fine port and eating some lovely food, as you would in Portugal. Great yeah. place to go for a holiday, anyone? Great, yeah. let, let's go down to the rally. Someone invite me. Well, let's go. You know, I'm ready to come. <laughs> Um, and it was the, based uh, in Porto that year as well. Wasn't based it, in Porto that year. Um, yeah. My recollections of that rally are literally every stage after stage one. I had Risto Manasamaki on the phone to me saying, George, we've got a delay. Um, uh, so, we, we, I mean, I think after 20 minutes, they had to put a zero car through, but they were trying not to. Yeah. So I was on the phone with the clerk of the course. I can't remember who it was I was speaking to. He was, he was a lovely guy. I mean, it was never there was never an aggressive phone call between us. I was relaying our thoughts as the team as to what could and couldn't happen. Yeah. Um, the The problem was there was a lot of fog on the rally as well. And I can't remember if it was on day one or day two. Um, I think it was on day one. But, um, well, I mean, you know, it was rainy and it was foggy the whole time. Um, we had the Fafé probably, was probably throughout. Two stages yeah. were cancelled. Yeah, yeah, stage six, stage six and seven, they they were cancelled. Just and and that was due to spectators. The, the rally was cancelled. It wasn't due to any other reasons, as I recall. Right. I was on the phone to them saying, "Look, Tommy was Tommy was calling us at the end of the stages um, on the phone. He didn't do it on the radio. It was a smart cookie, you know." He said, "George, I I have narrowly avoided killing five or six people, and I think most of them were policemen." Wow. So the police were doing a great job of keeping the spectators back, but they but were moving on the road. Yeah. And because it was foggy and the, the sound was being <laughs> suppressed, etc., etc., they weren't hearing them coming. And of course, you know, it was a lot. The, the, there was delays after, after the um, after the, the the zero car went because it was been having to give extra time to get through the stage. Um, so it, it, nearly every stage felt, as I recall, it was delayed. Tommy was starting these stages, and he was nearly. I mean, he, he got he got like half a dozen really big frights. I mean, it was at the point where I was saying, Tommy, you're going to have to start this stage. Uh, look, I really don't want to, George. I said, well, Tommy, you know, just back off. You know, for Christ's sakes, don't yeah. put yourself at risk. Don't don't take other risks. We'll deal with it afterwards. It's, you know, we'll, we'll do what we can. Do not, you know, d you know, if you can't go near the limit, don't go near the limit. Mm. We can try and get the stage cancelled at the end. Um, I can't remember whether we had in-car camera. We must have had in-car cameras at that point, so we can use that footage. Yes, we did have, so we can use that footage, and we did look at the footage, and and Tommy wasn't wasn't uh, wasn't lying. You know, it, it was the the footage was clearly showing that you know he was swerving and avoiding policemen, yeah, who were doing a, you know doing an incredible job of keeping the spectators back, but it was just it was it was too impossible so i guess that's why the the the, the stage the fafi stages were 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 cancelled just due to the volume of spectators and the fact that there wasn't there wasn't very much for them to see but that wouldn't matter because you're out there for the event uh, and and also the fact that, the, that it was a policeman that we were going to kill you know i don't know where that would have ended up but possibly no. not very happy <laughs> um, but, so but, I, but my recollection is lots of phone calls with the clerk of the course and then the last day the sun came out and the stages oh, dried right. very, very quickly because Portugal, I mean, okay, it got absolutely screwed by massive rainfall that year, but Portugal's like Scotland. It's a country used to massive rainfall. It sits there on the edge of a rather warm Atlantic yeah. uh, current. So, yeah. you know, it's a country, you know, 
built to cope with 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 water and you know the, the road infrastructure at that time was 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 hundreds of years old and and you know well able to cope with these i mean it might have been small narrow roads everywhere but those roads were designed and built by people that uh, people you know understood the road had to last yeah mm. and not not built to a cost in those days so everything survived everything still worked okay a, a bridge got knocked down by the massive flooding um and that was awful just absolutely awful. Uh, that that what, was the the biggest impact, really, before the about, rally. I remember we were all very sad about it. Uh, absolutely, absolutely. In terms of of actually servicing the cars, though, when when those kind of conditions come in, it, it it does it makes the job harder, doesn't it? Because before you can get to anything, you've got to scrape away inches and inches of mud, haven't you? In the same way it that you do just... with snow in Sweden. I remember just buckets and buckets and, you know, you had the squeegees out on the mats and you were just, I mean, the squeegees couldn't move it. You were using shovels to get out, get the muck out of the way. I remember helping with that, you know, getting a brush and brushing the stuff so the guys could work. You know, yeah. at that time it was, you know, it was a series of 20 minute services in, in, uh, and it was, I think we were still, were we still, were we doing just purely service parks or was it still service zones? We were still mobile anyway. We were still moving to different service parks during yes. the day. It wasn't one service park. Uh, there were service zones where you were limited in the, the amount of vehicles you could take in and service areas which were bigger. And and that so mud, the rally was, it was still adding mobile a, at that point. A significant chunk of weight to the cars as well, wasn't it? Oh, it would have been it would have been horrendous. The, the cars would have been carrying as much mud. I mean, I, I would imagine they were carrying an extra hundred and fifty kilos of mud without a doubt, <laughs> because it was it was it was like cement, concrete. I yeah. don't know, drilling yeah. mud. I've no idea what it was like. It was just the foulest stuff. Yeah. Just the quantities of it, and the guys were getting down there. The guys were coming out looking like they'd been uh, rescued from a swamp. You know, the, yeah. the, the mechanics. Yeah, but, it, but that, that, one thing our that group we... A car was was tough and strong, and uh, I mean we didn't. We were the only team that didn't. You had to specify your tires before the start, and I remember when we were specifying them. I, I used to submit it as a team manager, and I, I remember speaking to Lassie Lampy and Tommy, and and uh, I can't remember who who looked after our tires at that point. I think it was a guy Beveridge, Ian Beveridge, and and he gave me the he gave me up the list. I said that can't be right, and I got on the phone to Lassie Lampy and Tommy. And uh, I said, well, why are we not taking mud tires? No, no, Tommy doesn't want them. He just wants to cut our, 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 our. basically, he, he ran one line around the middle of the tire. Right. Circumferentially, effectively creating two narrower tires. And it was quite a wide cut we put in the middle. That that, that cut would have been, uh, I guess, uh, 20 mil across. I'm, wow. I'm, I'm guessing, I, I, in my memory, it might have been a little bit less. It might have been a little bit more. So we and uh, so we just had the the FB tire as it was, and everyone else had the mud tires. And uh, I remember the pre-event co conference. Uh, I think it was probably Martin Holmes asking us about our tires. You know, you're the only team that's not specified mud tires given the conditions. Where do you think you're going to end up? And I said, well, I, I just told the truth. I said, look, I was as surprised as you are when we didn't choose it. It's the driver's choice. Uh, we know the conditions. We understood the conditions. It was discussed extensively. Tommy knows these tires, and that's the tire he wanted. Um, Michelin have given us that tire, so they so they must uh, have an understanding as well. Otherwise, they would have been on, they would have been protesting it to us to say, "Don't do this." So, uh, so we're we're confident, and, and, it and that was the end of the subject. And I mean, the people people were almost laughing at us, but yeah. but it worked. But absolutely it, worked. Tommy had the ability, though, didn't he? he? You know, he could come up with that spark of absolute genius. 
He was, and he was he was the master in slippery, difficult conditions. Look at his Monte wins. Yeah. There's a few fins of one Monte Carlo rallies, uh, you know, in in circumstances. I mean, Marcus Gronholm, far from a tarmac expert, won a won a Monte Carlo rally in a circumstance, but Tommy won it four times, yeah. and that was that was down to his built in his built in. Uh, um, Traction control, you know, the guy is just brilliant. So he could, he he had an absolute feel for it. His throttle control was legendary, and it wasn't easy in those Group A cars because they because they they had a a, a, a disengaging rear wheel drive. So you had to always keep some throttle. But he was, and he still will be, absolutely amazing behind a wheel. His his throttle control was fantastic. Um, and he just he knew what he had and, and he dealt with it and he was far from fastest on every stage there were stages where he lost as I said earlier 15-20 seconds but then he would just pull it back and I think he only really lost the lead on second stage and on the second last stage uh, uh, both I think it was the first time I think it was Harry was it Harry Rovenpair or Carlos I think it was Carlos that took the lead on the first on the second stage we got it back and then Carlos got it back on the second last stage there was only two stages on the last day because of stage cancellations. Well, it was only three stages scheduled. The first one was cancelled. Um, the second one, Carlos took the lead, albeit by just you know half a second or something. And then on the on the uh, on the last stage, Carlos took nine seconds back, blew it away completely, uh, no, and, it, and, and took a, and took the win. A sensational event. It was a stunning event. But but what a what a drama! What a drama! And the Portuguese organisers, I I think that. Uh, your man Torres was away. Had had he Cesar he Torres? Was, yeah, Cesar Torres. I think he he might have, he might have died. But his wife Therese was still in charge. Um, and I, I remember speaking to to her before the event because we'd have had our team manager meeting. She would have been visiting that or been said hello at least. And the yeah. clerk of the course beneath her. Um, yeah. And various other signatories, and they were all a you know a great team. I mean, Portugal's passion for motorsport is oh, just immense. amazing. Yeah, the 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 topography of Portugal is all about rally, and I absolutely deplore. I'm going to deplore something now. I'm allowed to deplore right. here, David. Absolutely, deplore I'm going to, away. I'm going to deplore the loss of the asphalt and tarmac stages, that uh, and, and and gravel stages that used to consist of that northern loop. Well, these are roads around Sintra of Portugal. Yeah, well, I mean, yeah, it's Sintra, but there was there was other stages as you ran north up towards Porto. You ran through. You you would do a stage that would start on gravel. It would go on to cobbles, cobblestones, like from the eighteen hundreds. You had tens of miles of cobblestones, lovely lovely boulevards, not that necessarily that wide because they weren't built at a time when roads needed to be wide, but unbelievably slippery sealed surface cobblestone it's basically a stone road um uh, and 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 then you would be back on gravel again and then maybe some some very tarry asphalt all in one stage and and what's wrong with that i mean we just did croatia it was it was a rally cross it, it bore yeah. no resemblance to a tarmac rally whatsoever and so much better for it why have we moved away from those mixed surface rallies why are we so scared of them yeah, what's no. wrong with going to those events you know the cars basically are not that different tarmac to asphalt. They're low on they're low on gravel. They're even lower on tarmac. So just just put it on a mixed surface. And you know what? The engineers will rise to the challenge. The drivers will certainly rise to the challenge. 
and and what's wrong with it? I mean, it's it's exciting, it's great to watch, and it's relevant and it's real. So, and Portugal was, you know, such a beautiful event, so beautifully organised, yeah. such a fabulous country to go and visit. The cakes, the food, the seafood, the dairy products. I mean, the coffees. It's just, it's a great place. Um, and they've yeah. got that incredible topography that just lends itself to rally. And you know what? In Portugal. The local councils, everybody's still enthusiastic to have the rally. The, the the memories there for it, you would get the permission to run it, but we constrain ourselves in such a way, mm. it, it's, it's beyond belief, you know. And and you know, in, much in the same way, we have a single service park which limits what the event could do. Why do we have a single service park? Tell me the reason for that. Well, it it, it contains everything in in one particular place. It makes it easier. To for the teams, there's less logistical costs for the teams. It's easier to bring partners and guests into the event. It's uh, I have yeah. never heard you less convincing than that than no. I hear you right now. I no. know you're unconvinced by that argument. Those are totally. the arguments, folks, that totally. that are given to us. I can tell you that the guests that we used to bring to rallies, we'd put them in a coach, mm. and they would be taken out to stages. We'd have you know we'd have a little encampment on a stage that wasn't too far for them to walk through the woods. Uh, and we had everything organised, and those people got the full spectator experience, much better than walking into some sort of temporary camp, which is all very splendid. Yeah. The service park is wonderful; it has its attractions. But honestly speaking, getting out there into the actions, what it's all about. Absolutely. Um, and and Absolutely. that that, cent that central point, the drivers are driving; they've not got time to 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 indulge in 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 um, guest visitors and things uh, at any point. So. It, it, it's a it's a pointless affair. Get get it, back out on the road. I say. Obviously, I agree a hundred percent with what you say about the the lack of of tarmac and stuff in in Portugal. The one stretch, that obviously, we still do have. It's a very 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 short stretch. Uh, is the on the Fafé stage where they come down the hill, square left onto the the, the small road with a big saltire painted on the road, and then hairpin the very famous hairpin right back up onto the gravel. These are iconic locations, aren't they? And Portugal is just full of them. It, you know, it's somewhere that you never, ever tire of going every year. It's an adventure. And for me, it was it was an absolute crime that the thing was kicked out of the uh, of the championship for six years between 01 and 07. And then potentially in an even bigger crime that they took it down south to the, to the Algarve. You know, that's not rallying territory at all, is it? It, it it's not, but my goodness me, it gave us a great event as well. I I I, I mean, I I felt I felt the same when it moved. I was so disappointed, and then of course I went to it, and it and it was fantastic. It's still Portugal. It's a slightly different part of Portugal. It's a bit warmer. It's true. They don't quite have the swings of weather because they don't have the mountains behind them to 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 squeeze the the moisture out of the air and give us the rainfall. But those swings uh, of weather is what Rally Portugal's about. It's it like is, having it a bone of, dry Rally GB, is. isn't it? It kind of is, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, you you do get them, but they're rare. So, um, no, I mean that that history of Portugal. It's a, it's another event, you know, Portugal Rally, Rally Rally GB, you know, RAC Rally as we mm. know it. But again, it was denuded over those la the last twenty years. It's been denuded something terribly. The last couple of years, when it went back to North Wales, made it made it somehow better, which which is a shame because actually South Wales and Mid Wales is brilliant. Don't I mean I don't want yeah. to take anything away from the massive investment they made, but honestly speaking, we should be starting the rally on a Sunday, running around yeah. the stately homes. That yeah. was amazing. 
and then do do two or three days in the forest. Have you have um, you have you done a Roger Albert Clark? This is at the, the no, historic event. I'm you desperate to do it. If I, if I could do that in a in a Fiesta R3, my life would be complete. You're probably not allowed to do it in a Fiesta R3. No, 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 you are. There's a there's a there's a modern section to to the event. Is there uh, now? But I right. think because obviously it ran last year, so I'm pretty sure it doesn't run. It's a yeah. biannual event, um, so I don't think it will run this year. Well, it ran it, think... it ran and it ran it ran through that storm we had, didn't it? Yes, that windy night, the wee bit yeah. breezy. Yeah, and exactly. they ran it through all strength to them. Like a proper rally stuff. Well, I'm just Keep going. frantically looking. Um, and if we do have any listeners out there who are part of the Roger Albert Clark rally, get in touch uh, and let us know. I'm sure that your event is running next year, not this year. If it's next year, if we are around, I think we commit to doing it, George. I think we commit to is that, is that rally is that is that rally blind or is it pace notes handed it, out? I think it's, it's root notes, isn't it? I'm sure. Root notes. notes. Okay. Hey, yeah. look, I was just going to say for a co-driver, if the, if it, if it was blind, you just get down on the map, or you just sit there and watch, which yeah. is great fun but, as but well. You know, I, 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 I can. I'm still happy to drive blind in a forest. Colin, Colin, and I have talked for years about being desperate to get out there and 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 go and work on that event. So, and of course, Luke, our deputy editor, was there last year. So I think we we commit to doing it. We talk expansively about how great the Britain's Round of the World Rally Championship was back in the day. And there's one event that captures that every other year. So let's get out there and have some of yeah. that next year. Um, and, and, that, and that leads us back to Portugal, how fantastic it is. Look, they're back in the north. They're using many of the stages they used to. Yeah. I say many, they're, they're probably using about 20% of the stages they used to because the rally used to run the length of the country from Lisbon up to the north and back down again. And it yes. used to do that. You know, I mean, it was what an event it was. The first Portugal rally I did just seemed to go on forever, even though we stopped early. Uh, all our cars retired. But we're, no, we're still that, not that doing that. But, but we do have the places like Arganil. We've got Arganil in there. Yeah. We've got Losada, which at, is a great yeah, spectator up stage. Ca, up at Castela de Piana, right yeah. in the north, and, over and the river. Amarante over and, and, of course, Fafaya is a, uh -huh. power, I think, a power stage on the Sunday. Um, which of course Tremendous. It, it, it always is yeah so and I, I have rarely looked forward to a rally more than Portugal um, uh, this year I'm really looking forward to to following it and getting into it and talking about it afterwards and listening to all the all the, the all the video casts that you're giving us yep following it on yep. WRC hopefully the weather won't be too awful because it's the weather does seem to affect the, the footage we get back um, yeah, did, and I'm hoping that we in. can see some more of that fabulous drone work that we saw in Sweden. Yes. Uh, I want yeah. more and more of that, guys. I don't suppose they listen to our podcast, but um, I thought that drone ask. footage they did was, was really something amazing. Uh, that, was, that was something new and something stunningly good. Yeah. Um, no, I, I agree. It felt like it felt like you were in the car. It was the best spectating I've done since since nineteen seventy six when I watched Dick Blomqvist come down that hill. <laughs> that's how good that's how good that drone footage was. We've been doing the drone in in ARA for a for a while now, uh, so it's 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 nothing new in in America, uh, but it is it does give you a totally different perspective. It's it's enormously spectacular. Uh, George, I think our time is up. Uh, we need to to, to sign off. Uh, thank you very very much for your company. Uh, it's a great well, way to it's start. It's been an absolute morning. pleasure. I'm hoping that Matty has enjoyed our more concise, purely yes. focused on WRC discussions yep. with its odd little tentacle off into into the, the, the history of our sport, where it's uh, recent history of our sport, where it's very relevant. Yep. Um, I, yeah. Uh, Luke, Luke and Darcy, I hope the hangovers aren't too bad. 
Well, they'll uh, be awful. They will be. They'll they be will awful. be awful. And, and we will be back, hopefully, as a, as a full crowd. I'm not sure we'll we have Colin with us next week. We can hope. Uh, it, it would be lovely to, to welcome Cole back to tell us all about his adventures in Australia. Uh, so, yeah, and in between now and then, whatever you do, stay tuned to dirtfish.com. And George and I will see you and talk to you next week. Fantastic. David, thank you. Thank you, everybody, for listening. And we'll catch up soon. Absolutely. Thanks, George.